Have you ever sat on a park bench talking with your friend who is getting ready to put his dad to death for murder or at least take him or see him in trial, and instead you start asking yourselves questions like, <clears throat> and I quote, is what is holy holy because the gods approve of it, or do they approve of it because it is holy? If so, if the answer to this question is yes, then you might find yourself as Socrates in a different timeline. But the Euthyphro dilemma is not, or the Euthyphro problem is another way of saying it, is another, a seminal, a key important component of philosophy that asks an important question of what is the good or what is the source of good. And it is an important question for us as philosophers and individuals and those who concern themselves with things like what is right and true and good, or also recognize that violence is a very real uh, element of the human condition that we may have to contend with and that we are not, we, though we may be judged by men, we will also be judged by something greater. Maybe that's morality for you, whatever you want to call it, but for those of us who are Christians, it is God. And so <coughs> when we... When we ask ourselves the question, this Euthyphro question, given by two quote-unquote pagans, we are faced with an interesting problem. But before we get into it, here's a story. Part of the motivation for this, this start to kick back into classic philosophy and philosophical terms on the Redacted Culture Cast, is because I recognized that I had a problem. I was wasting energy and time reading and listening to things regarding events that I will have no work in. I was talking about politics, listening to too many people talk about too many things happening on the other side of the country, and recognize that's not affecting my life for the better, spiraling into madness and so forth. And I believe, and I and I think you do too, that what we fill our mind with is what we fill our lives with. And as a part of that, I hope to add something of value to your day. If this is good for you and good for our culture, I hope that it will make your life better and we will see where it goes. So, on to the Euthyphro Dilemma. What we think about is what we become is not the Euthyphro Dilemma. The Euthyphro Dilemma is actually something more like this. And I'm using a book here. This is the Oxford Companion to Philosophy, which is a useful one to have on your shelf. It kind of fits in that uh, definitions page. But Euthyphro, in the Platonic Dialogue, this is quoting again, um, Euthyphro, in the Platonic Dialogue named after him, attempts to define the pious, or the holy, as the God-loved. Socrates responds with the famous question, is the pious loved by the gods because it is pious, or is it pious because they, they love it? Is a thing true, is a thing true, or is a thing good because God says it is good, or or because God likes it, or rather, or is it is it simply the fact that God likes the good? Now, what does this do for us in philosophy? It helps us understand and narrow down, maybe become more accurate in what we think about when we think about that which is good. What is the mechanism? What is the concept? Where is the point of arbitration when it comes to morality itself? One of the problems that the West has had to deal with for a while, which I very strongly believe is falling apart, is this idea that someone could claim themselves as non-religious, but still get the fruits of like a Judeo-Christian background. And the problem with it is not so much that we need to return to Christ, and the problem with it is not so much that we need to return to some sort of cultural unity surrounding a religious icon. It's that it gives somebody a position, a belief position, that they can have, which is false. It allows somebody to live a lie. It culturally accepts the idea that a person can have the fruit of a moral system, 
without actually having one because that which is that which it is which defines your morality is that which is the thing that you consider you function as god and for some people at the end of their philosophy would find out that it is themselves which is a terrifying idea but i digress so the Euthyphro Dilemma is a conversation between Socrates and this character by Euthyphro. It's written down by Plato, and that's why it goes into Plato's collected dialogues, this one being edited by Edith Hamilton and Huntington Cairns. Uh, if I pronounced your name wrong, my bad. So what that looks like, though, is this. It, the Euthyphro Dilemma asks, on the one hand, does God love things that happen to be good? And on the other hand, is it good because God loves it? Now, people might become uncomfortable with the question of, is it good because God loves it? Because what that would do is it would essentially make it arbitrary to God in the sense that God chooses to love things, and because he loves those, that's what we call good. It is what God declares to be good is what we are, what God loves, what he desires, what he says is good, is good. And, in, and while for us, we, um, we have... Uh, well, for us, we have to look up at that and say, well, why do you say this? What we're faced with the fact is that God does not need to give some form of justification. He can simply say that's what it is because he is God. That's what it means to be God. And so when it means to humble yourself before God, what, what, what humbling yourself before God means is it, it means looking at God and saying, you are God. You are the point of arbitration of morality, not I. It needs to make, I want it to make sense for me, but you do not need to rationalize it to me. And any explanation that you give me is a good thing. Whereas on the other side of the Euthyphro dilemma, does God love that which is good because it is good, creates a very big problem, especially in philosophy. And that is, if God loves that which is good, he is then bound to love things that are good, and it begs the question, what is it then that determines a thing to be good? And, what, and the answer is, well, whatever that thing is actually has authority over God, and therefore that thing functions as God. There is an argument that can come from both Avicenna or there are other characters, but it, you, you, Aristotle, Avicenna, uh, who is the third one? It's another A name, uh, probably Thomas Aquinas, and you're going to have to forgive me on that one, which asks the question of what is the first mover, and we look at this in a timeline question. We look at this in a timeline of, well, you have, um, I, I exist, but I exist because my mother gave birth to me, and she exists because her mother gave birth to her, and she, and so long, and, and this creates a chain ever going to when was the first person made? But now you can do this in, in causation as well. So if I, you know, a, a, an event, whatever, whether it's a glass breaking or a quark moving or dozing, doing a quantum leap or whatever you want to talk about, everything has something that came before it and that caused it. There is some level of causation involved into it. And at some point in time, there had to be a first mover. This is the problem that evolution deals with, and it's not really evolution, it's more like the problem that um, naturalism has to deal with. And in the same way that naturalist, naturalists, people who don't believe that there is anything such as God or claim to not believe in a God, have a problem with, is that um, they accuse, what is it, 
Sir Isaac Newton of having the God in the gaps fallacy. And well, if you're a naturalist, you have the same problem because anytime you ask an, a person who believes in evolution that we purely evolved and there was nothing but a big bang in the beginning and they can't answer it, the answer is add more time. The time in the gaps fallacy. It's a, it, the, the, the sword cuts both ways. And so, and that's because it's an intellectual decision. It's not necessarily a truth statement. So as we're going back to the Euthyphro problem, on the one hand, we have the point of our, uh, God is the point of arbitration. He is the thing that determines that which is good. And whether it is God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament, God of both Testaments, God of Islam, God of Buddhism, God of you know, what the, the, the non-personal God of this belief system versus the very personal God of that belief system, whether or not he has a beard or not, doesn't matter. That whatever is God is the point of arbitration of morality, the point where the person gets whatever holds the seat or is the position of God or is sits at the seat of whatever you want to call it, whatever it is, is that the defining element of God, it's a tautology in this sense, um, is that he is the thing that determines that which is good by his will. If he chooses it to be good, it is good. If he chooses it to be evil, it is evil. And mankind has struggled with this forever because we want to ourselves be like God, or we want to be gods all the way from the new, the or, or earliest pages of the Old Testament to now, where we want to hold that reign, but the problem is we can't. We're mankind. And so the opposite end of the the opposite end of the Euthyphro dilemma is this. If God is God loves that which is good, then something else determines that which is good, and that thing then is actually God, and the thing that we're referring to as God is just a lesser being in the order of magnitude. And I hope that helped. I hope this short clip for the morning helps with how we think about... Um, let's even say gun culture and America and violence and society, is that... Everyone is for everyone is indebted by existing. Everyone has this responsibility to, to, to say what they believe is the arbitration of morality. And I might be using the term point of arbitration somewhat incorrectly, but again, please forgive me. The and, and, and in the West and in the world, so many of these conflicts go back and forth over this, and it, and it quite frankly recognizes that. All wars, all wars entirely, are not purely economic, but they are also religious. There's a religious claim to them. There is no such thing as a holy war. All wars are holy wars in this sense, which then means none of them are, right? No, not at all. So when people understand, when people are talking about and, and having a discussion back and forth over whatever is God or the point of arbitration of morality, we recognize that it has very real consequences for us. The whatever we it, it it is more than just a mere reflection of our beliefs, and so when we look at that as well, we recognize that the, though the moral system I want it to make sense for me, it makes sense because it was created by something else, or it was put in place by something else, or there is some other standard, and that means the use of force cannot be, should not be, cannot be, or is immoral when you yourself view you yourself as the point of arbitration for violence. We see this most often in children, but we see it also in sort of that kind of petty crime that causes death and suffering in the world, but isn't significant enough to catch the attention of, say, like, Delta Force or something like that, right? And it's the petty crime that you see that has that is destroying Minneapolis or or affecting our cities. That is something that does not really come across as very well thought out, but 
It's the use of force for some arbitrary intent of the individual. I'm just cooler than you, an, an initiation and something like that. And when if you're going to have a gang, a tribe, a group, a crew, you should recognize that what you guys consider as the point of arbitration actually kind of needs to be the same, or it needs to be at least within degrees of similarity. And if you have different views on that that are wildly different than each other, the group will have a hard time sticking together because you'll deal be dealing with Nietzsche's problem, which is if you don't have any common belief system, you're going to fall apart. And so this is also that idea of the house divided cannot stand. It, there's more to it. It's just it's you know maybe l using Lincoln as an example uh, as a, an example of ethics is not always a good idea. People are complicated. Let's not oversimplify it in one go. So that being the case, the Euthyphro Dilemma is a classic Greek argument from history where we get to look at how we think about things that are right or true or good. And if that has been helpful for you today, I hope that you are able to share this with somebody else and you are able to expand it. If that was the strangest transition, it probably will continue to be because I have a decent amount of energy today and I got to get the work done. So if that was the case, I th thank you for listening. And I know this one's short, and that's the point. I hope your commute goes better. Or what, what if you're making food or carrying on in life, I really do look forward to adding more tools to your toolbox. How we think affects how we live. Therefore, what we think about will have an impact on what we do. And if we want to stop living in the world of just do something, well, let's start with how we think that's been beneficial for you let leave me a comment give me a give me a shout out shoot up shoot a, shoot something to us on instagram if you want to head over to the shop you can check out our uh you can keep this business rolling there so if that's going to be the case take care and in and in everything go forth and conquer <laughs> <laughs>